Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse, verse 1. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, they would not have ceased to be offered, since the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish a second. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there's forgiveness of these, there are, there's no longer any offering for sin. Great. Well, um, thanks for having me back, everybody. And um, do keep that passage open. Somebody's very angry outside. And um, we're going to be looking particularly at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 12 to 14. If I can just hitch this up. I think I'm a bit taller than Joel on the balance of things. Um, how can Jesus offer me what nobody else can? That's the question we're considering this lunchtime. How can Jesus offer me what nobody else can, what endless posturing and ritual never can. For um, we saw last week together that Jesus offers us forgiveness. Okay, he offers us, we said, something that nothing else and nobody else can. He offers a lasting, full forgiveness, which can cleanse our guilty conscience. He can offer peace with God, which nobody else can. I mean, just have a look down at, again at verse 11. Verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 10, every priest, says the preacher, every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Oh, um, the system that God gave to Israel, that Old Testament, that sacrificial system, it never truly cleansed people's conscience. Verse 11, it could never deal with sins. 
even what God gave to Israel. It was faulty in a sense. No cleansed conscience. And how much less, we've said, can our world deal with sins? You may remember that quote from Douglas Murray last week. In some manner with which we still haven't even begun to wrestle, we have cre created a world in which forgiveness has become impossible. We just can't deal with it in our world. We cannot deal with sins. And yet if we're to hold on tight to Jesus Christ with confidence, and yet if we are really to trust him with our sins, we need to know the basis on which we can have that confidence. How can Jesus take away my sins? And that then is the focus of these three important verses, verses 12 to 14. How can Jesus take away my sins? How is there forgiveness, full forgiveness, in fact, found in Jesus? After all, they are so numerous, my sins. I was actually just this morning doing some work on a talk for um, next Sunday at some next on Sundays. We're working our way through the Sermon on the Mount, looking at Jesus' standards, Jesus' perfect, righteous standards. And um, it's so convicting. They are so numerous, my sins. I feel so short in so many ways. How can Jesus deal with my sins? And the answer of our passage and the answer of these verses is that Jesus made a perfect offering for sins. He sat down with his father, as we shall see, having made a perfect offering. And once and for all, he has dealt with his people's sins. Have a look down again at verse 12. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. Verse 14, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Jesus Christ, says this author, has dealt with all of our sins. And our focus then this lunchtime is the nature of his sacrifice, Jesus' sacrifice, that really deals with our sins. Our focus is going to be what Jesus did. That is, he made a perfect sacrifice and he sat down with God, having dealt with all our sins. Um, and to that end, you'll find down there two headings on the handout. This is how we know he's dealt with all our sins. My aim today to give us confidence that so long as we're in Jesus, you and I have full forgiveness of our sins. So let's think about that first heading then. He, he made a single offering. And um, it's interesting to note the repetition in our verses of that phrase, a single sacrifice for sins or a single offering did you spot it verse 12 but when christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins he sat down at the right hand of god or verse 14 for by a single offering jesus has perfected for all time those who were being sanctified um we said last week the fact that priests made many daily offerings displayed that they could actually never really deal with sins. So um, think of my damp problem going on in our flat at home. Emily and I, um, a flat down in Borough, and we just had a bit of a leak and some water coming through the ceiling in the kitchen. If the workman has to keep coming back every day, 
Well, it shows he hasn't fixed it, doesn't it? He hasn't solved the problem. A daily sacrifice, verse 11, obviously doesn't deal with sins. But here's the contrast with Jesus. He has only made one sacrifice because it fully dealt with all our sins. Verse 12, when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus has made, if you like, a lasting final payment, a unique, effective sacrifice. And he's dealt with, once for all, all of our sins. But lest we be confused about the nature of his sacrifice, okay? What, I mean, what it was that he offered for our sins. And lest we be a bit confused about the value of the offering, because sacrifices we saw last week can never deal with sins. Um, just look back in your Bibles to the context of our verses. Here's what Jesus Christ has offered for our sins. Verse 10, his own body. Verse 10. By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And no amount of sacrifice will get me right with God if it is of animal currency. Again, to, to come back to an illustration from last week, however much monopoly money I give to you, it will not clear a debt, whether I owe 50 pounds or 100 pounds or 1,000 pounds or a million pounds. It's not the right currency. It will never pay the debt. And God won't accept the payment. It will never pay my ransom, animal sacrifice. It will never take my sins away from me. Verse four, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. They cannot satisfy the wrath of God. But Jesus was a perfect man, and he can pay my ransom. He can bear the death that I am owed by God. And as Jesus was a perfect man, his blood can pay my ransom. Both his life and death were acceptable to God. Just have a look at verse 5 again, which we touched on last week. But look at what Jesus came to offer to God. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, and this is a quote from the book of Psalms, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. Oh, Jesus Christ could make in his death a satisfying offering. Because in his life, he gave pleasure to God. That's the picture of verse 6, isn't it? And Jesus Christ could pay my debt, give his life as an offering. Because in his life, he did the will of God, verse 7. He did exactly what you and I should have done, related to God perfectly. And having made this offering, he has ascended to his father. He's been vindicated publicly as a man who did please God, and having made this offering, he can act as a high priest for us. He can pull us in, if you like, before the throne of Almighty God. 
we can have real confidence if we're Christians because Jesus faced our death for us. He bore what we were owed as sinners against God. We can have real confidence because Jesus paid our ransom, freed us from the death that we were owed by God. I mean, it's, um, it's sort of a bit of a cliche to say it, isn't it? And um, it's slightly trite, but it is fair to say that Christianity is all about what Jesus has done. It is not about what we have to do. I think it was Jim Packer in one of his famous books said something like that. Religion, man-made religion, all about do, do, do. You have to do stuff to get yourself right with God. Christianity, all about what Jesus has done. Shackles of religion, I must please God with performance. They are loosed by Jesus Christ. He has got us right with God. And here's the clinching evidence that he's done it all for us. Second point, Jesus sat down at the right hand of God. Have a look down at verse 12 again. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And you sit down, don't you, when your work is done. So when I am finished speaking in a moment, I will sit down. I'll, I'll take the weight off of my feet. When the workmen are done fixing, replastering our ceiling, they're going to sit down. They will have finally, fingers crossed, fixed the leak. The priest who is still standing and still working in the temple, that priest is obviously very weak. They can't take your sins away from you. When Jesus Christ ascends and sits at God's right hand in heaven, it's because he's done his job. His mission is complete. And I think that's actually the main contrast of the passage of the whole paragraph. So verse 11, which we were thinking about last week, every priest stands daily. That's in the imperfect tense. Every priest stands and keeps standing and keeps standing daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins, verse 12. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice, he sat down, aorist, he did it once for all, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. You see, Jesus is strong where the priesthood is weak. He made a single offering that fully and forever dealt with sins. He made a perfect offering, we might say, that was acceptable in heaven. And now he has sat down and he's taken all the weight off his feet. Gives another angle, doesn't it? On why Jesus is still in heaven. Answer, because he's strong rather than weak. He has taken our sins away. That's why he sits in heaven. I mean, would you rather he was on earth week to week, popping back every Sunday to make another offering? I'd say it's pretty good that he doesn't do that week to week because it wouldn't have worked if he did. 
Now, Jesus made a perfect offering, and now he sits in heaven. Soon his enemies will be crushed under his feet. He made a perfect offering, and now he sits in heaven. What he came to earth to do is now complete. And that is why, as we close, Jesus can offer us forgiveness. He has, in his death, in his life, death and ascension, he has dealt with every sin and lawless deeds. He has paid, if you like, for our redemption. And he is now seated in heaven, having satisfied God's anger at my every evil deed. It's astonishing thought, isn't it? But today, this lunchtime, this afternoon, Jesus sits in heaven. There is a man already in heaven. He made a single offering. He paid for our redemption. His enemies will be a footstool for his feet. There is a man in heaven who was vindicated. And you and I can be forgiven because he has paid for every evil deed. We do have every reason to hold fast to our confession. Now, in Jesus Christ, we have a living hope. We have a great high priest in heaven through whom sins can be forgiven. Jesus Christ is our only source of hope. Let me pray as we close, and then we'll have some questions or something like that.